Yeah, and the interesting thing here that I see is um, even more so in RevOps than in the previous model of sales ops or marketing ops or CS ops. So RevOps is looking at the whole funnel, the whole customer journey, right? So definitely there are some handshakes along the way. And by design, it's looking across multiple functions, right? That's why I believe we are well positioned to either be part of those cross-functional initiatives or even lead those initiatives. Welcome to RevOps Rockstars in pursuit of unicorns. I'm David Carnes. And I'm Jaren Chu. Join us as we interview RevOps leaders to explore the challenges they have faced, the biggest lessons they've learned, and what they think makes a RevOps Rockstar. This show is brought to you by OpFocus on a mission to help companies run their businesses better by letting you focus on growth while we scale your operations. Let's get this show on the road. Today's guest on the podcast is a global RevOps leader. He's a dad, and he's also an amateur YouTuber who's based in Barcelona. He has 15 years of experience in global organizations. He's the VP of Revenue Operations at Doc Planner. Our guest today is Gabriel Rustis. Welcome, Gabriel. Thank you very much, Dave. Uh, such a pleasure to be here. Uh, what you guys are doing here is amazing. And I'm just honored to be, you know, alongside such, such great names that you guys have in the in the episode. So I hope I can contribute with my two cents here. Gabriel, we're really excited to pick your brain today because you've not only led RevOps, you've led sales ops, you're very involved in um, various communities related to RevOps and sales ops. Um, you've got tons of experience kind of around the globe. As you reflect back on your current role and your prior roles, what do you think is something in RevOps that you kind of had to learn the hard way? Great question. So definitely there's been more than one mistake that I've done, you know, that I've made along my career. So I'll give you two. So one would be busy is not the same as effective, right? And the second one is, uh, you know, you have to understand the balance between technical and business. So the first one, um, you know, I've done a number of, uh, you know, projects and tasks and items throughout my career that simply did not, let, you know, lead to any like outcomes in terms of business. This is a common flaw that I see in RevOps. You know, sometimes we're way too busy uh, doing all sorts of things that that ultimately doesn't affect the bottom line of the company. And I'm guilty of that, right? So definitely you have to be able to differentiate, differentiate a noise from a signal and re really you know, focus on what's going to bring an impact to the company. The second one for me particularly is it's so interesting to see people in RevOps, they come from typically from either business-related roles or human-ish related roles or more technical side of the house. I myself came from this more technical side of the house, meaning um, CRM, tech stack, and BI. And one thing I had to learn that the, the hard way was actually finding that balance, right? So you have to be able to, to uh, really understand your flaws and really, you know, create an action plan to address that. So whether that is like uh, speaking to reps and understanding how they are speaking to clients and actually visiting clients, uh, if you're lacking that part of uh, your your skill set, or the opposite, maybe you're previously, you know, you're um, a salesperson or a CS person or something completely unrelated to the commercial side of the business, but still like in this more human side. Um, and then you have to be able to then acquire some at least basic knowledge on the technical infrastructure, because that's what makes our function a unique and, and so valuable. 
Those are two really, really powerful takeaways. And I think uh, probably applicable for folks outside of RevOps as well. Um, with the first one that you mentioned, busy, busy is not the same as effective. I feel like there's probably um, a way you've come to develop to understand how do I assess if this is busy work? And if I am doing busy work, how do I transition out of just doing busy work and doing more effective work? Can you share a little bit about your process on how you do that? For sure. Yeah. So definitely there's multiple, uh, let's say, methodologies out there where you can you know, evaluate in a matrix, you know, effort versus uh, impact and that kind of stuff. For me personally, is it is as simple as sitting down with whoever I report to. So whether that's the COO, one of the founders of the company, and then really align expectations on, hey, we have a thousand things to do. And typically that's true. I'm not joking. And then what here is aligned with the goals of the company, right? So really having that conversation, understanding that what I'm focusing on, what my precious time is being is being put into is actually aligned to that. So that for me has been like, there's no magic, you know, secret here is just doing that, you know, taking that conversation and then uh, realigning my OKR or whatever that is. And do you have the, um, the habit of doing that, say on a quarterly basis, or how frequently do you do that a, a strategic assessment of yourself and your team in relation to the objectives? This is something I personally have done throughout my whole career, um, sort of proactively. So always like putting, uh, even to a certain extent, a little bit of a, an exaggeration, like putting calendar invites throughout the whole year, you know, with my, you know, with my, uh, you know, manager or, or, or VP or founder again, uh, to really have those conversations. So, um, typically it's quarterly. So quarterly, I sit down, have that planning first myself, then the alignment conversation. Uh, and then make the adjustments and off we go. And then by the end of the quarter, the same thing in terms of looking back. Wow. I'm feeling very inspired already, Gabriel, um, because I, I am in the same position of feeling like there's way too many things to do and way too many opportunities, but wanting to be critical about where we spend you know, the precious however many hours uh, we spend at work every day. It touched on very interesting, Jerry, which is the fact that a lot of things, maybe not everything, but a lot of things in RevOps that uh, can be applicable to other people. So that's a very good insight. So Gabriel, your title is VP of Revenue Operations. What does that entail at DocPlanner? Excellent question. So if you ask the same question, I'm sure you guys have done that to a hundred people, a thousand people you're gonna ask, you're gonna probably get different answers. So uh, for us at DocPlanner specifically, what that means is um, making sure that we have, you know, the best of the best, you know, customer facing reps, right. Uh, and making sure, uh, that that is driving, uh, the right level of productivity so that we can uh, meet our revenue targets. So in the case of doc planner specifically, unlike a few different companies, RevOps is composed of, um, you know, functions that support customer facing reps. So that's going to be sales and CS, um, in our particular case. And I know this is a debate going on in a, in a market of RevOps. In our case, we do not have marketing ops. You know, uh, as part of this umbrella, uh, at least formally speaking of like organizational design. Um, however, there is a, a uh, you know, strong informal alignment that we do uh, throughout the, a project that we call the customer journey. So you mentioned hitting revenue targets. Uh, I'm curious, what are the ways that you measure uh, success uh, in the RevOps role? 
Yeah, for me, really, uh, this is an interesting topic, and I for sure do not have the right answer here. And I'm super uh, keen always to talk to people about the topic. For me, it's, it comes down to three things. That's my perspective. One of them is um, I strongly believe that RevOps needs to be tied to bottom line revenues. So meaning quota attainment or just the revenue targets itself. Um, even though we do not carry quota, even though we're not the ones actually you know, in the front line, uh, I think that's a way to make sure we are accountable. And again, at the end of the day, going back to my first point, that we are moving the needle. We're not just focusing on uh, you know, busy items that do not make an impact. So for me, there's an element of that. Going even a bit further, I'm a big fan of having, uh, depending on the organization, if that's the case, of having the variable comp of RevOps tied to revenue numbers. Uh, then the second and third, so there's two other uh, metrics that I believe that measure the success. The second is the indirect impact that we, sorry, the more direct the impact that we have, which is projects. So basically the way that we handle this at Doc Planner is every single quarter we have an OKR type of document that we create. We have a different naming for it. And, and there typically we put the initiatives and the indicators associated with those initiatives. So if we really achieve the goals of delivering those projects, whether that's you know, a CRM implementation or migration, or whether you know, it could be related to building a sales pitch or creating a one view of the world, uh, you know, that is how we measure the progress uh, towards uh, target there. And then the final one is going to be um, an interesting one that I've never had in my whole career, but here at Documenter, we also pay attention to that. Which is a more, uh, you know, a more, uh, you know, more related to the support side of the house. So making sure that we deliver great service to our internal stakeholders. So we serve sales, we serve customer success. Uh, so one of the things that we do, for instance, is tracking an SLA for the requests that come in through our uh, intake system, as well as an NPS. So are they happy? Uh, with the service that we provide? Do they see value? Are we acting fast enough to deliver those uh, those uh, projects and tasks? Well, that's fascinating. And you know, I, I don't know uh, what percentage of RevOps leaders that we've spoken to would say that there is any form of variable comp for, uh, for folks in their team. So I think that's very exciting. I love what you've described about uh, tracking the service level agreements and even going so far as to having an, S an NPS score. Um, with regard to the variable comp, is there, are there, I, I just, part of me wonders, you're, you're a global organization, you, you have staff all around the planet, um, just wondering how uh, HR guidelines and whatnot, HR expectations around the world uh, react to, to that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. That's a great question, yeah. Due to the stage of the company, because DocPlanner is doing this scale-up motion, we have not yet structured that out. But in previous companies that I worked at, uh, you know, there was uh, an element, at least for the management and leadership teams, uh, there was this, uh, you know, element of uh, a variable plus uh, plus fixed, uh, you know, component associated there. I'm interested in following on David's line of questions around um, exploring a bit about the team and, and the team that you have managed globally. Um, Doc Planner has about 2,400 employees around the world. Um, you've raised, I think, more most recently in May 2019, uh, 86 million in a Series E, a very mature company. Um, what is the size of the RevOps team that you've worked with or you're managing currently, and how does that distribute around the different regions? Such a good question, Jaren. 
And, and for me in particular, this is something that when I speak to people in RevOps, um, we share our pains and our, you know, our, our, uh, you know, issues. And one of the things that always comes, comes up is that, uh, we don't have enough resources. We don't have enough people, right? And I myself experienced that in the past, like being the one Swiss army knife uh, guy fighting against, uh, you know, all systems. Um, when I joined Doc Planner, that was a strong transition to me because then I took over a global organization that has over 60 people just in RevOps. So it's very interesting because one, we have this international uh, sort of global to local dynamics um, that, you know, I've never experienced that before. So for me, it has been a major learning in my career so far. And then, and then second, um, you know, it's less about not having resources now. I cannot complain about that. Is how do we make that happen in a way that it brings value to the company? Um, so hope I, you know, hope that answers the question there. Yeah. And uh, what's really cool is uh, most people probably dream of being able to manage a RevOps team of 60 or more. Um, help me understand how is your RevOps function structured and how does that how does that distribute kind of across the regions that you're in? Good question. So one thing um, that is not under RevOps at DocPlanner is the tech stack or tools team. So we do have a dedicated global team that handles that. Some organizations have this combined. I've seen some cases where it's separate. They're the sort of developers and admins, uh, you know, side of the house. So RevOps at DocPlanner, we have a global and a local structure. So global means the people who are responsible for keeping like the consistency across all countries. So I have a global sales operations unit, a small team there. I have a global customer ops team. Um, and then in each of the countries, we have people boots on the ground uh, with the same you know, distribution there. So sales ops and customer ops there. And then basically, organizationally speaking, we have a few different functions. So we have you know, one bucket, which is enablement, right? Which is a, a recent, let's say, nascent function at DocPlanner that we're still building out. Uh, we have then, you know, data, data quality, analytics, um, you know, budgeting and forecasting that side of the house. We have then more the project management, project managers. And this is also something that I'm stealing as a new initiative um, in, in the company. And then we have more the support functions. So the frontline support to the, the, the sales reps there. Wow, I'm uh, keeping track here, and you know, you've mentioned a whole bunch of functions locally. You've mentioned kind of what sounds like strategy units at the global level for sales ops and customer ops. Um, when it comes to coordinating, based on what, let's say, the folks locally have heard from the frontline sales reps, and then being making sure that that's aligned at the global strategy level. How are you coordinating between the teams, making sure that local feedback is incorporated, making sure that the company objective is still properly distributed? How are you kind of um, incorporating all of this data that you're collecting in your teams? Yeah, and by far and away, this is the main topic for at least the past year of 22, and now we're kicking off 2023, is that alignment, right? So on the one hand, you have this interesting aspect of a global company where people speak different languages, not necessarily everybody speaks English, right? And you also have cultural nuances into play here. Um, 
which ultimately affect you know the alignment aspect. So it's not as easy to to get you know some changes done or to get some items pushed you know across business lines or across countries. There, um, this is for sure a work in progress, Doc Planner. So the, to put a little bit of history into context here, uh, previously to me joining the company, there was simply no global RevOps, right? So the company, uh, the last couple of years, um, has uh, definitely made a shift into profitability, into scalability, right? And the company has been hiring the best execs out there in the market. Um, and as part of that, you know, it was a smart decision, I should say, to uh, decide to build global RevOps. So as soon as I joined, then I took over those existing functions from each country. And then, you know, it's a journey where we're building that out. Uh, in terms of alignment, for me, it starts with the vision. So if people don't know what to expect and where we're going with, it's very hard to then, uh, you know, have alignment. So first things first, you know, having that vision built, communicated, and really ensure that people understand it, which, you know, is not always the case. Sometimes you think you have a great vision and that people understood, but it may be that they're not necessarily aligned with it. So really making sure you have constant, you know, all hands meetings, uh, feedback, make sure that you're communicating that in a very simple way um, is one thing. And then the second thing is, is cadence and then building a, a framework for collaboration, right? So as part of this you know, setup of having global and local teams, you know, there are for sure these alignments meeting, alignment meetings that we do weekly for sales ops, and then they're gonna gather people from all countries and then you know cover the, the main topics. In the same way, one thing that is very interesting at our company is that we are learning from the countries, uh, stuff that we didn't know, stuff that we, we think we know it, but we get it wrong, right? So that's the feedback loop. And the beauty of it is that locally, we run much faster, right? So globally, it's like this consistency and getting the, 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 the structure into place. And that's amazing. That's what we need at this stage of the company. However, we cannot just overlook the value of, you know, acting quickly and learning and making changes uh, happen. And that is mostly happening today locally in, in each of the countries. And then we are taking that and replicating to the other uh, markets. Wow. I'm uh, feeling like I'm getting a masterclass front row here on uh, how to manage a global organization. I in particular, wonder about whether you've had specific learnings around how change management is different in specific regions that you're operating in. Curious if you've got any stories or specific instances that you found like, wow, that's a you know a huge learning lesson for me to say, as a leader, this is something I need to be aware of because I have these teams in the different time zones and uh, cultures. Yeah, that's definitely, uh, you know, not only a doctor learner, but, you know, throughout my career, something uh, that it it is a big uh a big elephant, you know, in the room that we cannot overlook is it's like you have to make sure that you have buy-in from different functions or different markets. And I definitely see that happening, uh, you know, uh, in my current role. One of the things that, I, that I've seen happening specifically in my role is as we started to, uh, you know, act against our vision. So basically the vision is we have to unify the teams. We have to have this consistency um, you know, uh, function that delivers, you know, helps us delivers the, 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 the revenue targets. Um, as part of that major project was let's get, uh, you know, a CR, a new CRM into place. So currently we are migrating from HubSpot to Salesforce. That's one of the main initiative, initiatives in the company and by far, far and away, you know, no small uh, task in front of us. And then everybody is bought into the concept, but when it gets to actually executing it, then you know there's always these things that you run against that you're running to sorry which are 
you know what, actually, this is my way of doing things. So for me, one of the, uh, you know, key things here is make sure that you have a sort of a multi-thread, you know, buy-in. So think of it uh, from a sales point of view in enterprise, typically this is a strategy that, that account managers use. Like you have to multi-thread to make sure that, you know, the multi-stakeholders, uh, you're not blindsided, everybody's bought in, and then you can get to the, uh, over the finish line. For me in RevOps, it's the same. Um, I cannot just go to the countries and then get them on my side and then explain the value. Hey, we're doing this and this is going to help us. It's going to help you. This is going to help the company uh, without having, you know, aligned with, you know, the country leadership, without having aligned with the function leadership and vice versa. If I simply come top to down and then I say, you know, guys, this is the value. And then I don't spend enough effort doing the basics of leadership, like spending time with the team and inspiring them. And, you know, making sure that they see me as a human being, you know, I know, you know, I know that's not going to help us. Right. So for me, that's the, the funny thing I've been, I've been experiencing here at DocPlayer and definitely some, some nice stories there. Wow. I love how it all comes back down to the basics, you know, being able to spend time together, build, building trust within and between teams, building trust in you as a leader. Um, those are really essential pieces to helping bridge whatever potential friction or misunderstandings or uh, misassumptions that might come through when you have such a diverse and um, multi-country team. Right on. Um, you mentioned really quickly that you've got some big initiatives cooking. When it comes to getting work done, the execution piece, um, or maybe there's some strategy in it involved as well. How do you determine the right balance of what do you do in-house? What do you outsource maybe to some trusted contractors or consultants, uh, maybe what do you even offshore if you mm -hmm. do that? Great question. And for this point, particularly, there is a cultural aspect of global slash international organizations here, uh, which is uh, the fact that, uh, you know, having transitioned from working at American companies and Canadian companies my whole life to a Polish company, uh, I ran into, into, into this, you know, Europeans slash Polish people, I'll generalize here for sure. Um, you know, they uh, are more reticent in terms of uh, outsourcing, right? Um, in our case, one more component to this is that we actually have, you know, a lot of resources as we were previously discussing. So uh, the majority of the things that we can do and that we should do, we're going to take those internally in the context of this company, Doc Planner, right? And then we're going to outsource if really we don't have a way of doing it. So really we are gonna outsource the arms and the legs of you know the operational work that has to be done. Okay, so if you're doing everything in-house, you must be hiring. Um, if you are, what are the kinds of roles you're looking for and where can they find out more about uh, the positions that are available? Good question. I am definitely uh, looking for some talented uh, people, uh, in particular, just to name a few. Um, I'm looking for a global sales operations analyst. So as part of that global function that I mentioned before, looking as well for a, you know, a couple of leadership positions uh, in RevOps in a couple of countries, Brazil and Poland. Um, and then there's more roles. Uh, people can just go to docplanner.com slash careers. There's a, a slew of, uh, you know, of, of roles being posted there uh, for sure. Oh, super cool. That's uh, very exciting to hear about all the hiring. So you mentioned the CRM migration, and when thinking of that, I'm thinking of um, the, the trend that we're seeing of uh, folks in RevOps, the RevOps leaders owning very large cross-functional corporate level initiatives. These could be things like M&A, could be rolling out a product-led growth. 
Um, uh, do you, does your team, do you have uh, uh, a mandate to drive uh, big changes within the organization like that? Oh, definitely. Yes. Uh, for me, this is where we in ops, we excel, right? So my comfort zone is sort of that discomfort of, you know, cross-functional. Uh, there's a number of initiatives that, you know, DevOps or I've been involved throughout my career. Some of them related to just uh, M&A. So always when there's an acquisition, RevOps tends to be by the nature of the role to take over a more cross-functional aspect of the project. Specifically within Doc Planner, we have a cross-functional initiative called the customer journey, which as the name says, it's all about mapping out the entire customer journey, all of the touch points along the way, what are the data needs that we have to build a future state CRM. And, and that involves people from data warehouse, from BI, from sales ops, from customer ops, from sales, from marketing, and from finance, right? And and then we are in this intersection, like leading, uh, you know, leading the, the initiative there. Um, happy to give more more examples, but this is my kind of my everyday bread. I'm <laughs> um, so glad to hear it, and I, it's just definitely a trend that we're seeing of uh, you know, ownership of these you know massive initiatives because these RevOps teams can get stuff done can prioritize the work, divvy up the work and just and roll up their sleeves and get it done. Yeah, and the interesting thing here that I see is um, even more so in RevOps than in the previous model of sales ops or marketing ops or CS ops. So RevOps is looking at the whole funnel, the whole customer journey, right? So definitely there are some handshakes along the way and by design, it's looking across multiple functions, right? That's why I believe we are well positioned to either be part of those cross-functional initiatives or even lead those initiatives. That's yeah, such a good point. So I'd love to shift to talking about technology uh, for a few moments. Um, is there a tech stack tool that you could not live without? Mm -hmm. Good question. Tricky question. I love, I love this one. For me personally, the simplest one that gets the job done is the best one in my opinion. Uh, oftentimes we are caught up by the like the shiny tool syndrome, like we see this all the time. Uh, for me, more complexity, either organizational complexity or technology complexity, does not help in terms of scalability. That being said, um, I will name the you know the the fact that in terms of CRM, which is the foundation of a tech stack, I've worked with the main ones out there, so Salesforce, HubSpot, Microsoft Dynamics. And um, for me, it's less about the tool and more about how you design it. If you design it properly, and if you have a person who really understands the ins and outs of it and is good at governing it, then, you know, it's going to go well. But I would say that people oftentimes, oftentimes overlook Microsoft Dynamics. There's a lot of, you know, uh, you know, words on Salesforce and HubSpot, which are amazing tools. And I, you know, we are using both, uh, both of those uh, currently at Doc Planner. Um, Microsoft Dynamics, just, uh, you know, something that I continue to hear out there within the RevOps circle is like, it's not a great tool because it's from Microsoft. So user experience is not great. Um, I think people should revisit that. I've used that a lot and it's such an amazing tool. Outside of that, for me, keeping it simple would be, you have to have a great BI tool to have visibility into the customer data. And we know that CRM is, you know, it's not that tool, like, you know, no matter how great CRMs are, or no matter how great, you know, is your architecture of it, it's not meant to be that tool. So we have to have a great BI tool. I personally like very much, you know, Power BI, but again, any other BI tool can get the job done. And then finally, depending on your business, um, this is not applicable to all companies, but some of it is, 
is a great sales engagement platform because a lot of the pain that we see in visibility of customer data is the fact that you know you have to constantly bug reps uh, to enter their activity in the CRM. And this tool, first of all, is designed like I think it's one of the few tools in the you know in the universe of tech stack that is actually designed for reps. So that's an amazing selling point. And secondly, it automates the whole activity, and they don't have to worry about it, right? So for me, that's that would be an ideal. Like we have to have it. Wow, you've shared a lot right there. Um, you know, for, as, as somebody uh, who just finished the first draft of a book on Salesforce reports and dashboards, uh, I I actually agree with you wholeheartedly that you know we we can only go so far with those out of the box reporting tools, and we really need a BI. And we we've seen for years that companies almost wait too long to invest in a proper tool. You mentioned having data warehouse. You mentioned uh, BI earlier. If you could have your pick of uh, a, a tool to have a at a glance view of the business, um, what what would you what would you seek uh, as far as BI? Yeah, for me, it would be between Power BI and Tableau. I think those are market leaders and and um, you know definitely easy to use. And and sometimes you do not even need to have a data warehouse infrastructure in between because. It's the modern BI infrastructure, like it's built in that way that end users can just click and drag things around and get the job done. And I think that's so important. You know, you you started off talking about um, the simplest tool to get the job done. And I think as, you know, so many of the organizations that we work with are scaling so quickly, Doc Planner's grown 60% headcount across the last few years. So you guys are growing very quickly. You do need to pick tools that are appropriate for the time. And a lot of organizations don't have a data warehouse yet. That may be, you know, a 2x, 3x growth from where they're at right now. Uh, I think it's so important what you shared about uh, tools like Power BI and, and Tableau offering a very me a meaningful step even before the data warehouse is part of the picture. Yeah, this is such an interesting topic to me because there's two sides uh, of my, let's say two chapters of my career here, right? So in my previous companies, right? I was the actual guy like building that out myself, like hands-on. Um, and for me, it was amazing. Like the beginning of it, like, I don't know, 10 years ago uh, when Power BI was basically being born, um, it was amazing to see, hey, we can actually do all of that like in five minutes that over the course of history, like you had to spend thousands of dollars building infrastructure, like data mining, like a bunch of things, right? For me, that was amazing. And it was incredibly incredible to see how simple and easy that was, right? So like you're pulling data from multiple sources, you're doing transformations, obviously you have to do it in the right way. And this is the tricky point. Not everybody builds this thinking of scalability and that's the catch. But that was, that was, uh, that was a point that I experienced myself, like getting the visibility in first things first. Uh, at Doc Planner, um, you know, it's a different scenario. Uh, we have, um, you know, an organization very strong in terms of data. So we have a data warehouse plus a BI team um, that many companies would envy. So that's amazing. As soon as I joined, I was like, wow, this is, you know, this is awesome. Our pain and our issue is prior to that is that it's just around that CRM migration. So our processes are still being unified because of history of the company, because previously it was the startup motion separate countries operating in different ways, right? So basically we're in the motion of fixing that, but we already are like many, many steps ahead in terms of the data infrastructure. And BI for us is just like simply 
visualization, like building charts because the data is already normalized. And and for us in ops, that, that is like a dream uh, coming true. I actually want to ask one final question around BI to both David and Gabriel. Um, David, you've mentioned several times that you know companies come in and think about BI too late or bring on a BI tool too late. Gabriel, you've worked in a whole variety of companies and you've just described some of them. They had, you know, these full-blown teams already. Is there a time you've seen where it is essential or, or maybe what kinds of signals should we look out for as a company is growing to say, hey, I think this is actually the right time to bring in a BI tool. This is for both of you. Did I go first, David? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say almost right away. Uh, <laughs> you know, as soon as, soon as you, you have a financial system and you have a CRM and you have other tools that you want to report across, you, you have some complexity. But, you know, clearly there are, you know, to Gabriel's point earlier of choosing the simplest tool for the job at, at the time, there are different levels of uh, BI tools out there. Some are more turnkey, some are much more sophisticated. But uh, Gabriel, I'd love to hear what you think. I 100% agree. I think the only catch is you have to obviously be wary not to buy a very expensive tool at the beginning. Like if you're early on company, just be aware of that. But that being said, some of these tools, they have decent pricing. And for me, it would be the sooner the better. Like for me, as soon as David mentioned, as soon as you have two systems instead of one, that is the time that you need to start connecting the dots. So do that at that time, because further down the road, it's going to be much easier. And that's probably earlier than a lot of teams are thinking about BI. They're like, oh, I've just got two systems. I'm sure I can do this in Excel spreadsheets. Exactly. <laughs> Great. My last question around kind of the RevOps function before we really dive into your very interesting background is thinking ahead around the developments and the trends in the industry of RevOps and, and the RevOps as a functional area. What do you think will be the next big disruption to the RevOps function? Mm -hmm. That's such a great question. And again, uh, you know, I wish I had like the perfect answer to this and I don't, but uh, here are two things I can say about uh, the future of ops, right? So one for me is the future is already here. That's one of the things we should acknowledge. Like we've been dreaming of RevOps being elevated and now we can see that's the case, like mostly pushed maybe by the economic outlook, but still the case, uh, you know, 2023 seems to be like the year. Uh, the second note I'll say is um, the growth of the function internationally. So there's a lot of maturity in the function of RevOps concentrating, you know, in North America. Uh, and the function is like still arriving in a way to Europe and Latin and other countries. I'm starting to see the function bubble up. So there's a lot of senior hires here and there, uh, but still there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of steps to evolve there. Uh, beginning with the question that you asked at the beginning, like what's the definition of RevOps? Like, what does it mean for you? Uh, I see this all the time. If I ask somebody who's based in North America, obviously I'm generalizing, you tend to get a more consistent answer versus uh, in Europe, it might be that people actually think they understand, but that's not the case. So there's a lot of education, um, even for people who are looking to uh, to to join companies and, and, and have a RevOps role. For me, my advice would be, uh, don't assume assume that people understand. You have to focus on education and education, right? Uh, because of the simply the state of the function, right? Disruption specifically, I think now you know technology is getting you know to a whole new level. So, like with the advancement of AI, 
uh, you know, this is going to get, you know, to a level, you know, that uh, is unheard of and unforeseen. So for me, that that is not too far out from where we are. Wow, I'm I'm excited for the the um, standardization of the term RevOps because I don't even think in North America we mean the same thing. I think company to company, there's still massive differences. Um, Forrester has some great data on this, on how um, it's often a, between the spectrum of the alliance of the willing and a centrally organized team. And on this podcast alone, we've seen folks who define RevOps as primarily a glorified function of sales ops, you know, kind of taking on those shoes and having some more cross-functional uh, management to incorporate marketing ops all the way to customer success ops, et cetera. So I, I do think that that variance is going to continue. I'd and love to... Um, shift actually, Gabriel, uh, to talk a little bit more about you. I want to make sure we've got time for folks to learn from your background, which is so exciting. You are currently based out of Barcelona in Spain. And prior to that, um, well, you went to school in Sao Paulo. You were at the Methodist University there. You got your BA in uh, communication and advertising. Um, and then you got your MBA from, from the Pontifical Catholic University in Sao Paulo. Um, I'd love to understand how did you get to, um, you know, your current current role, uh, your your prior roles. You've also been heads of sales ops at several positions. Give me a sense of, you know, what what brought you to where you are today. Yeah, for sure. So if my life was a Netflix series, I would divide this into uh, three seasons, I guess. So the first chapter or first season would be you know, me simply figuring out what I'm good at and then uh, building my work ethic. Ethic. The second would be, you know, really experiencing, you know, a huge growth in the function. So actually joining RevOps, uh, sales ops at the beginning and then mastering the basics of customer data and visibility and tech stack. Uh, that would be kind of the second chapter there. And then the final one would be, the formal transition from uh, sales ops to rev ops, and I'll cover that in a bit more detail, right? So definitely on on me personally, I was born and raised in in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Um, you know, decided to move uh, abroad. So my wife and I decided to move to to Barcelona many many years ago. Settled, and that was kind of a, a personal decision um, that ultimately, coincidentally or not, brought me into. Uh, the role uh, of RevOps. So I joined an early stage uh, Canadian software company. Back in the days, you know, the company was founded by three people. Two out of them were based in Calgary and one out of them previously was was living in Calgary, but uh, he was, uh, you know, at the moment he was in Barcelona. And at that point of time, you know, I was just recently moved, you know, I had just recently moved. I was working at, at another company um, and one day, I know out of the blue, I decided to just basically drop. I wasn't happy with the function that I had. Uh, typically, you know, um, you know, previ previously in, in, in living in Sao Paulo, I was very, very stressed, and and I was looking for something more, you know, work-life balance. And after having spent a few weeks in in a new company in Barcelona, just recently arrived, I was like at the you know at the limit there. Uh, so I decided basically to uh, to to leave that company. And in the very same day. Um, I hopped on LinkedIn and then I found this role like sales operations analyst, which I have to be honest, I didn't know what it was. Like I had no clue. Uh, <laughs> I was like, okay, this is a sales analyst. Fine. It's close to it. But I had no, def like I didn't understand actually sales ops. Right. 
And then the very next day I got a call and then did uh, you know, interviews and I got hired. Uh, for me, I'm personally grateful for that moment of kind of struggle and transition, and especially to that, you know, to that person who hired me and who ultimately became my, my mentor, because that guy was a senior executive with tons of experience who ultimately instilled a lot of knowledge in me in terms of uh, ops uh, in general. Right? So that's that's kind of the, the first chapter there, like building that work ethic and, and et cetera. Um, then the second one was throughout those years at that, you know, a uh, small company that ultimately became a you know a very successful global business. Uh, it was all about you know really mastering the basics, really going into um, you know how can I not only do what I like uh, or do what I love, but also deliver people value. Like how can I deliver co the company value? And I was starting to do those quarterly meetings with my boss, like every quarter, proactively setting expectations. And, you know, that ultimately paid off, you know, uh, and, and then uh, the company became really successful and I grew alongside that, right? And then the final one was the transition to to RevOps. A lot of people uh, are still confused with that definition, right? So that's something uh, that I, you know, talk a lot uh, about uh, on LinkedIn. And, and one point of time, you know, I perceived that that was a need for the company that we were, you know, that we were operating, operating at. So we needed to make the shift. Uh, it was more about how can we unify the operational functions and make this a true revenue operations machine. And that's kind of the current episode or season that I'm living at DocLiner. So formally joining the role, building that global function and still making a lot of mistakes and still talking to a lot of people out there to to help guide me. Uh, it is still to, to be seen what's going to happen in the future. <laughs> We're excited for that future. Um, we've been talking about Doc Planner the whole time. Can you give folks an uh, understanding of what Doc Planner does? Yeah, Doc Planner is an amazing company. It's a company founded, uh, you know, in in Poland, uh, but currently it is a global business. Um, you know, the vision is to make the healthcare experience more human. So you have all these companies, Airbnb, Uber, uh, who are basically the the economics of collaboration. Uh, and when it gets to to healthcare. Uh, we, in a lot of the countries, we struggle a lot. Obviously, this is going to depend on your region and your country, but like whenever you have to find a doctor or a clinic, it's very hard to do that, you know, uh, without having to pick up your phone and then call a, you know, a thousand uh, people and still having to go to that visit and be frustrated sometimes depending on, on the case. So this is really what, what the business is doing is something unique is connecting doctors to patients and patients, you know, to clinics and hospitals and et cetera building meaningful software to help them manage their day-to-day. -day. And, and for me, it's it's um, it, it's uh, the time, uh, you know, at the time to happen. Like we're living that transition and I'm so excited to be part of it. If you could go back to earlier in your career and give yourself one piece of advice, what would that be? I'll definitely, you know, say I would give myself three pieces of advice because as I said, I made a lot of mistakes. The one would be, play the long game, uh, right? So that is something that, you know, it didn't take me long to learn, but I wish I learned sooner. Um, you know, you guys probably have heard of, or people watching this podcast have heard of Pavilion, the Pavilion community, and, uh, you know, its founder and CEO, Sam Jacobs, uh, just uh, launched a book uh, called Kind Folks Finish First. He talks a lot about, you know, giving and, and, 
and and not thinking about the short term, right? And for me, that is an advice that I have taken uh, much sooner in my career. Like think of the long term, bigger picture. There, uh, the second would be, you know, I am not as amazing as I think I am. Uh, so be humble, but at the same time, no one is ready. So I'm not like there's always this imposter syndrome. And you have to be comfortable with that. Like we are all on the same boats. That's what I've learned personally. Uh, so you have to strike that balance. Like you're not as great, be humble, do the work, but at the same time, you know, uh, embrace it and, and, you know, take the leap. So in an ideal world, what would you, you know, what's on your career bucket list after all this success in RevOps? For me, I'm probably biased to say that I simply love what I do. So. For me, it's like I'm living the the greatest age of RevOps in my point of view. Uh, I would love to continue to pursue that function and see how it grows uh, even more. I don't have like a uh, something that I uh, you know I, I wish I would do differently. It's more about where this goes from now, which I I think it's hard to predict, and I, I'm, I'm happy to be a witness of that. So you you lead a global team, and you know without even digging into spe the specifics of that, I know that your email is just, and your Slack is just erupting at all hours. People are, people are reaching out. I'm curious, like, what, what do you do to wind down? How do, how do you unwind from the ins uh, insanity of the role? <laughs> Great question. So, I mean, you know, definitely for me, it's all about family and, and do the things that I love doing it. Right. So and they're interconnected. So first off, I am a proud dad of an eight month uh, old uh, baby boy. And, you know, I have a beautiful wife together for the last 12 years. Um, not sure if that means like winding off, like, you know, that he keeps me busy and he's super active, uh, but I simply enjoy, and it's such a special moment. Uh, secondly, uh, for me, uh, you know, I am, and I should say, uh, I am a very amateur uh, YouTuber per se. So in the free time, whenever I have some free time, I you know enjoy posting some acoustic cover songs on on YouTube. So just look up for my name over there. Don't expect anything great. That's my caveat. <laughs> and then the final one would be I just love learning, like whatever that is. I love learning languages. I love learning, uh, you know, I don't know, riding a horse. I love learning whatever you you know whatever is challenging. I'm kind of obsessed with that. One of our final last questions for you, Gabriel, you've mentioned, uh, you've referenced having that first manager who hired you, that first executive who hired you, who became your mentor. You've mentioned your involvement uh, in Pavilion. Um, we'd love to hear who are some of the RevOps folks you admire in the industry right now, um, people you'd love to shout out. And also, what are some of those go-to resources you use to keep furthering and advancing your RevOps learning? Mm -hmm. Great question. So definitely a few people to call out here. And um, the first one would be, uh, I think, Dana Therian. I don't know if he was already mentioned on this podcast, but if not, uh, he should. He's we, we know and we know and like Dana very well. Ah, wonderful, wonderful guy. Then, then that is that is an amazing guy that people should definitely know. Uh, so VP of uh, Sales Advisory at Anaplan, and he's got the probably you know the 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 longest title ever you know, uh, that I've seen out there, you know, I don't know if anybody in the, in the industry or in the world has such a, you know, an amazing title like him. Let me, let me look it up. I think it's member certified sales compensation exam item writers cohort. Uh, that sounds just lovely. I need to ask the guy what, what that is all about. But Dana, 
kind of the guy we connected, you know, I'll go and he helped me a lot in terms of uh, advice. A um, couple of others would be for me, uh, Rob Dandorf. So he's a VP of RevOps at Pavilion. Uh, also a guy that I connected, you know, a couple, a couple of years ago and helped me a lot. And the final one, I know, I don't know him personally, but I follow him on LinkedIn and he, he's got some great uh, piece of advice. His name is Rob Levy. So L-E-V-E-Y. Um, the guy is simply, you know, one of those gems in terms of sharing advice for, for RevOps, right? Really amazing stuff. Last but not least, I know you are probably an inspiration to uh, not only me sitting here, but lots of other folks listening on this podcast. Where can people find you online if they'd love to follow you and see what you're up to as of late? It depends on whether they want to be disappointed. So if that's the case, they go to YouTube uh, and then they think they're going to find something great there, but uh, you know it is not that great. So YouTube would be one. But definitely LinkedIn is the main channel. So reach out to me, connect there. I love uh, exchanging some some knowledge about uh, RevOps. Great. And if folks would like to learn more about Doc Planner and uh, also if they would be interested in joining your global team, where should they be looking? Definitely. If it is about one of the roles that I mentioned on this uh, episode, reach out to me on LinkedIn uh, or in general, if you're interested in joining Doc Planner, just go to docplanner.com slash careers. There's a number of roles, uh, interesting roles over there, and you can easily apply. Gabriel, it's been such a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. I have so many takeaways from today's session, whether it's, uh, you know, the thought of busy not being the same as effective. Uh, we, we obviously had this kindred moment, kindred spirit moment of uh, suggesting to invest in BI as soon, you know, much earlier than people think, even, even as soon as having just two systems to report across. Um, also, you know, that that advice that you shared from Pavilion about playing the long game uh, is just so meaningful. Uh, I can't wait to go back and listen to this episode just, just to think back through all these uh, great examples you gave. So thank you so much for joining us. Really uh, just a pleasure to to meet you, spend this time with you today. For me, it has been such an amazing pleasure. And again, I will say that I admire a lot of work that you guys are doing here. And I encourage everybody to follow you know, across all platforms here. I am personally a big fan. So I hit the follow button you know, across everything that you guys uh, posted out there. Um, I am excited to see, again, the future of the function. And personally, I'm just scratching the surface. I know that uh, perhaps I know 10% of it. A lot of us are kind of still trying to figure this out, you know, as we go. And this is a great tool, like a podcast like this is a great way of sharing knowledge. So really, really appreciate what you guys are doing here. And listeners, you heard it from Gabriel, not just from us. Go subscribe to the podcast, tell a colleague about it, tell someone who's uh, coming up in RevOps about it. We'd love to be able to build this community of um, this RevOps hub and to keep sharing the knowledge so that we can stand on each other's shoulders. Thank you again, Gabriel, for such an informative, gem-filled episode um, sharing your experiences across international companies in RevOps. Thank you so much. And this has been another exciting episode of RevOps Rockstars. See you next time. Stay classy, Rockstars. Wait, you didn't think the podcast was over, did you? After all this talk with Gabriel about his amateur musician hobby on YouTube, you didn't think we would share with you a little snippet of what he plays? Check out Ever Wonder, an original song by Gabriel Rustis, as our special outro for this episode. Enjoy. And that wraps up another episode. Thank you so much for joining us. 
For show notes and other episodes, visit RevOpsRockstars.com. RevOps Rockstars is sponsored by OpFocus. Visit OpFocus.com to learn more about how OpFocus helps SaaS companies scale their revenue operations.